Hey Trojan fans, it's time to get into the huddle with the Peristyle Podcast. The Peristyle Podcast is your weekly ticket to USC football and recruiting news. Don't forget, you can download the podcast 24-7 at our new website, peristylepodcast.com. And now, here's the host of the Peristyle Podcast, uscfootball.com publisher, Ryan Abraham. Hello, Trojan fans, and welcome to episode number 122 of the Peristyle Podcast. Today is June 16th. 2010 we got an exciting show for you this week on the podcast obviously the big news d-day happened last thursday six days ago the ncaa came down hard on usc so that's what the entire show will be dedicated to this week we'll be talking about the sanctions what usc can do were they correct what's going on so we're going to talk about all of that we got harvey hyde in the first segment we're going to talk to brian fisher who's been reading every part of this investigation inside now we've got a lot of questions for him a lot of questions from you and if you have more questions you can always drop us an email podcast at uscfootball.com is our email address we do have a lot of questions as you can tell because so much was going on in the college football world we're not even going to talk about expansion that's another topic we'll probably get into that a little bit more next week this week's all going to be about the ncaa and USC. And we do like to welcome Harvey Hyde in the first segment, coming all the way from Catalina Island. Coach Hyde, how are you? Buddy, I'm doing pretty good. I want to welcome everyone out there, and I'm looking forward to today's segment. Uh, It's sort of one of those uh, segments where you've got an opinion uh, on uh, how things went, and uh, some people will agree with what we say. Some people won't agree with what we say. If you're an SC booster and fan, you'll probably uh, agree, but if you're a uh, fan from some other university, you'll probably say, well, it's probably finally a good, good time they finally got caught or whatever. But, uh, you know, we're not going to deny exactly what's going on. All we're going to do is talk about it and uh, see what people's thoughts are and our thoughts. For sure. For sure, Coach. Well, just let's get let's uh, thank our sponsor, Southern California Tickets, SCTickets.com, 1-800-888-7287 if you need tickets for anything. All I got two words for you, Game 7. So if you want to go to Game 7 at Staples Center Thursday night, give SCTickets.com a try. And, uh, Coach, you, your phone's probably still blowing up. There, I mean, I, I don't know any USC fans out there that didn't have a lot of uh, friends calling them or, you know, pseudo-friends from other universities <laughs> talking some trash about when the NCAA came down. It was a pretty big shocker for most of the Trojan nation. I don't think anyone expected the, the punishment to be this harsh. I guess maybe get your initial reactions, Coach, to when this all came down. Well, why do you think I'm in Catalina? I'm over here because uh, so many people were calling and asking me about my opinion, my opinion, my opinion, that I burned out, and I came over here, and guess what? Everybody's asking me about my opinion, my opinion, (laughs) my opinion. So you can't get away from it. It is something that uh, everyone is talking about. But I'll tell you one thing. I haven't talked to one person that honestly feels that the penalty was just. I really feel that most people feel that it was uh, an overkill, and uh, that's how I feel. And my feeling is, is, hey, give me four years to investigate a university on irregularities or things that the NCAA was doing. Four years. I mean, let me go to Miami for four years where one of the committee members were. Let me go to Notre Dame for four years where one of the committee members were in Nebraska for four years and check it out. And, and I'm going to tell you, I would come up with a little bit more possibly than what they came up against USC on. And that's all stemmed around the Reggie Bush situation, a high profile player that, that everyone was uh, uh, looking at. So, you know, there's a lot of things that happen within NCAA and, and, you know, I would say that if these are the only things, and I don't know, Ryan, if you had a chance to read the report, I did. If, if these are the only things that they could come, on with, come up with, I would say that USC is running the cleanest program in America. Because the things that had to do with USC weren't done by faculty members, wasn't done by boosters, wasn't done by coaches, uh, the main issue was done by an outside group where uh, things were done that shouldn't have been done 120 miles away from campus at USC. Now, Southern California is a little bit different than other parts of the 
of the of the country. What I mean, there's millions of people uh, in Southern California, and it's very difficult to have what you call institutional institutional control of every single one of your 500 or 600 athletes you have in your athletic department, and now also their parents. If I live in nothing against Nebraska, Lincoln, Nebraska, or Austin, Texas, or Missoula, Montana, or Pullman, Washington, I, I more or less know what's happening with my athletes, why they all live in the dorm in more, most cases. And again, most of the athletes come from thousands of miles away where it's impossible for me to know exactly what their parents are doing or what kind of car they're driving or where they're living or whatever. But I sometimes wonder how they get to all the games. Uh, so, you know, if you want to really, uh, you know, look at what SC was penalized for, I would say they were penalized very harshly for something that really what they call institutional control is very difficult to control. So uh, I agree there should have been a penalty if these things happened. Were they able to prove these things happened? I'm not sure. A lot of it they couldn't prove. A lot of it are just like saying, uh, well, we just don't believe it, and this is what we felt happened. And uh, I just think that, uh, yes, maybe there should have been a forfeiture of a year. Maybe there should have been uh, a scholarship or two taken away for a period of time. But the penalized kids that are in school now for something that happened when these kids were in junior high school, it looks as though to me and the penalties that go along with it, such as I call this a penalty when any of your kids that are a junior or a senior can transfer and, can, and they can be actively recruited, is trying to destroy a program. I mean, you're trying to completely destroy it when you do what, what, what the NCAA uh, levied on USC. But I don't think they'll destroy the program. I think the program, only one player that I've heard is, is leaving. And, and if you don't want to be there, then you shouldn't be there and you should move on. I think there'll be different ways of being able to keep the program in a very strong position. We'll talk about that a little bit later on regarding the scholarships and so on. But one thing I can say, I think one thing we'll all agree with, I'm glad it's over. It's finally come to a close. This cloud has been over the athletic department at USC and all of USC boosters and people who care about USC for a long period of time, and now it's over. So we know what it is. got to get through it and uh, move on. Yeah, Coach. Well, the appeal process isn't over. There still seems to be a lot more going on to this in this case. But you're right. The, the, you know, the, the sanctions have been levied. It's now up to USC to file some sort of appeal. We'll have to see how that all plays out. It's, I guess it's a different precedent now, Coach. I mean, this is, like you said, there wasn't anything that USC did specifically besides not figure out what was going on. I don't think USC is going to deny that Reggie Bush or his family uh, received extra benefits. Um, they're just saying that they didn't know about it, and how could they know about it? And I think the the sanctions being as hard as they are, tougher than you know, – Dan Weber wrote a really interesting column on uscfootball.com this week, how it was tougher than other universities that had like you know dozens of players involved with people in the university getting money. I mean – this was a university employees, you know, with uh, scholarship. Um, uh, what was it? I'm sorry, I can't remember what it was. Academic, everything. Yeah, yeah there was all, all, all kinds of different It was all going on, and it was coming from within the university. This is something that's outside the university that wasn't going to help the university at all. This was hurting the university, trying to take a, a player earlier than, than what you, you know, come out of his junior year instead of his senior year. And the fact that they had a pretty weak link connecting USC and specifically Todd McNair to, you know, what Reggie Bush and his family allegedly did. That just seems like the the punishment, like you said, didn't really fit the crime in this case. It it, it just seemed that the case was fairly weak as far as what USC knew, because that's really what it comes down to if USC knew or not, because I don't think anyone's disputing the fact what Bush's family did. No, I think what they tried to do is send uh, USC to the electric chair they tried to send him to the electric chair for a parking ticket, okay? And uh, I'm, we're not, no one's denying that there was something that was going on, but you don't send him to the electric chair for a parking ticket, okay? 
you do it, you pay your fines, you do what you have to do, and you move on. But uh, I think USC will move on. I really do, and I think they'll be strong. The appeal process, I have no idea. I don't think they'll change a thing, believe me. They, uh, you know, they, they all work together, the committees and so on. And I don't know what they're going to appeal, maybe one year sanction from bowl games or whatever. But uh, uh, we'll see what happens. Uh, I think the young players will rise up to the occasion. Uh, I mean, you know, I think you can turn a negative to a positive. I really do. And I really think that the Trojan family, as, as it's called, will, will come together. They'll cheer for this team harder than, than they normally, not that they don't cheer hard every year. And they'll want to see this team achieve a goal and be the best team in the Pac-10 or maybe even be the best team in the country, which they have that potential of being when you're at USC and you have the athletes that they have. So if I'm Lane Kiffin and staff-wise, I would be changing a negative to a positive. I would be recruiting with a very positive attitude saying, you know we're clean. You know nothing's coming down. You saw what the uh, uh, violations were. You evaluated yourself if we've done any cheating whatsoever. And move on and uh, put together a program of how you redshirt kids, how walk-ons come, uh, how you redshirt possibly two classes and play your next freshman class. And you cannot make a mistake on recruiting. But uh, what it's going to do, it's going to balance the conference. It's going to balance the kids throughout the country. You probably hope that those 30 scholarships that were going to be players at USC probably go somewhere outside the Pac-10. And they're spread out pretty evenly. The, the worst thing that could happen is all 30 of those players go to one school or two yeah. schools. Uh, so you, you want to sort of, the ones you can't scholarship, you hope, spread themselves out among all the schools. That's, that's the only thing you say. Otherwise, if they all go to one school, then one school obviously is going to become pretty strong in a hurry. All right. Well, Coach, let's get to some of these questions, if that's okay with you. Um, Pat sent in... Well, it looks like four questions that end up being three statements and uh, one question. Um, I'll read some of the, the statements he had here. Uh, if I was an opponent of USC, I would hate to play play them because USC players are going to be possessed guys with something to prove. I think that's fairly true. I think it, uh, we've talked to guys already, and they seem fairly motivated. That they want to run the table if they can go to a bowl game or not. Um, also, okay, so this question is, how important is a bowl game national championship excluded to a player anyway is it a really big recruiting point what do you think coach well first of all a bowl game is important because it gives you national exposure and it gives you extra practice days okay so obviously what you're going to lose is the practice days that usc has been able to utilize over the last i don't know years 10 years by going to bowl games and getting those extra 20 days of practice which is equivalent to a spring practice so they're going to lose that. That is going to hurt them. Now, the way I understand the penalty, they will not lose the revenue, though, from Pac-10 revenues from the Rose Bowl and other bowl games that Pac-10 schools go to. So, you know, looking at that, the revenue portion of it is something I don't think that will be lost. They might lose a little bit there. As far as going to a bowl game, yeah, it's always important to a player. You know it is. But most of the juniors and seniors on the USC football team have been to a bowl game. Uh, they didn't probably want to end up going to the Emerald Bowl as their final bowl game, but they've been to a bowl game. They know what the feeling is when they were a younger player. I think a good feeling is is being able to say, hey, we had the best team and we didn't go. Or these teams will be remembered for the teams that had to play through this, this difficult period. And they have a chance to put a make a mark on the, uh, the future of SC football. If SC continues winning, which they will, Believe me, they're going to. If they continue winning, then what will happen, it'll show a strength and a force that will attract other players as far as recruiting classes. But once you get through this next year, and let's say they can't go to a bowl game, well, the next class you're recruiting is going to say, hey, you know, I'm not going to be faced with that. I don't care about that. Because when I become eligible, I'm going to be able to go to any bowl game. So it's going to be difficult for a period of time, but uh, bowl games are great because of the extra practice time you get 
and the and the rings and and the glory and all of that that goes along with it. But you can also use it in other ways too. It's difficult as far as uh, losing that practice time. I'd say that'd be the one number one thing. All right. Well, thanks for that that Pat that question. Um, David had a concern. He wanted to know: Does USC have some sort of conduct coach? on the staff or an outsider that can go over things like dealing with the media, how to present themselves, you know, dealing with people that are coming around trying to be their agents. And if they don't have someone like that, should they? And he, he mentioned that rookies entering the NFL get some kind of rookie symposium. Is there something similar to that at USC? There is. And a lot of people don't realize this, but all the players, uh, when they first come to camp every year in the fall, have to go through a, compli- a compliance meeting where they are all called in and the compliance director explains all the rules and regulations to all the pl- players, tells them exactly what's legal and what's illegal. And these players read this form and sign this form, and it goes on file. And the parents are also sent notifications exactly of what is legal and what isn't legal. So they know exactly that they can't talk to boosters, they can't do this, they can't do that, they- uh, kids can't sell the tickets. They, they know exactly what all the rules and regulations are. But, you know, it's very difficult for everyone to follow that. You know, you have 600 athletes, and sometimes people just don't understand how they're jeopardizing the entire athletic department, not just themselves, but the entire athletic department. And they say, oh, we'll just do this one time, because people out there are smooth talkers. Agents and in, uh recruiters are, are smooth. They know these kids when they're in junior high, when they're in, when they're in, when they're freshmen in, in high school. And they make a lot of these contacts, be, contacts before they even become a college football player, a college athlete. So the contact has already been made. So it's very difficult for a university to control that. It really is. It's a lot harder than what people attempt. You know, a lot of people don't even know what their own children are doing part of the time or who their friends are, who they're running around with, or where they are all the time. So when you try to control 140 kids on a football team or a complete athletic department, it's not an easy choice, especially in Southern California. It might be, might be a lot easier somewhere else, but not in Southern California when you have millions of people and kids can go out and get lost. So, uh, yes, um, they go through compliance. They know what the rules are. Compliance is always around. Uh, you know, and especially, you know, you go to USC's football practice in the past, and there's three, 4,000 people at the football practice standing around the field. Now, you know, uh, it's hard to say you can't come in and he can. I, I don't know how you do that. Yet uh, everyone expects that to happen. So, um, uh, it's difficult to, and I guess now with the new procedures, the way I understand it, the NCAA has said that that no boosters or anyone other than I don't even know if parents can go to practice anymore. Ryan, can parents go to practice? I'm pretty sure there still seems to be some areas of uncertainty around that, but media for sure, and it looks like parents and stuff can go. I don't know if they'll. I mean, it's kind of hypocritical. I don't think having fans at practice when you allow the, the community to come in and, and take in what is a USC football practice kind of makes it part of, it's a unique part of this community, you know, for USC. So taking that away just doesn't seem to make a lot of sense. It wasn't like Lloyd Lake or, or Michaels were walking around football practice. You know, these the, the people that come to practice are like, you know, Pop Warner football teams and, and people from charities and, you know, and longtime fans that those aren't the kind of people you need to really worry about. And, this openness or looseness that people talk about. So that's if that ends up happening, we'll have to see what the official policy ends up being. But that would just really be a shame. I'm going to tell you, that's going to be the policy. You watch it happens. It's going to happen, but I think it's going to be, they're going to be told to do that. That's what the policy is. Yet, you know, uh, it's amazing. It's not the only school in America that has a lot of people at their practices or on the field during games. It's a very popular thing to have former players on the field and so on. If you look around the country, you see former players. Watch Miami play. You have all the Miami players on the field. In fact, when they played in the Rose Bowl game in their national championship game, Shaquille O'Neal was on their bench. So, you know, when you talk about celebrities, 
being on the sideline or messing with your players. They're not messing with your players. They're supporting the players. They're there for his past players saying, hey, we went to USC or wherever we went. And, 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 and you know, it, it's a great school. We're here to support them and help them win and so on. So they're trying to get the players to and all pass boosters or so on off the fields on sidelines now. So, uh, you know, it, they're taking a lot of fun out of the game. The celebration rule, don't get me wrong. Uh, I, I don't want to see guys taunt players, but why not let a player get excited when they score a touchdown? Why not let a player spike the ball over the goalpost when he gets excited? I mean, you're out there to win a football game and do great things. Now, the thing that bothers me as a coach, if I'm losing 40 to nothing and my guy's dancing in the end zone, Man, that's embarrassing. I mean, remember the old statement, son, act like you've been there before. Exactly. Or, or whatever. <laughs> but, you know, it seems as though there's more rules being put in than rules being taken out. There's more control by the NCAA over every university now than ever before. And if you continue putting in new rules all the time, it's taking the fun away from it from the parents, the kids, the boosters. If you're a donor, you ought to be able to go watch practice. Or if you're not a donor, you ought to be able to go and watch practice. Why, why should it be one or the other? It should be everyone. And those, this is, would you rather have the kids do something else? Would you rather have them, what, be on the streets than rather than go to practice and watch and say, someday I want to be like this kid? I mean, it, to me, it may, does not make any sense at all. I agree with you, Coach. And uh, that's... Kind of leads up to our next question. Michael in Toronto. We love the international questions. Michael, thanks for chiming in. Two things. He said, how can the NCAA say they look after students first and then let all other colleges have access to freely recruit USC's juniors and seniors? Um, And he also wants to know, is there anything fans can do to expedite the appeal or express your opinions directly to the NCAA, start a petition, anything like that? He doesn't want to just sit there and let it be. He wants to help. What do you think, Coach? Well, uh, why do they do that? Uh, I, I don't think it's a good rule. I don't, uh, because it can cause so much chaos. When do, you know, first of all, would you feel real good about if Keith Sarkeesian was recruiting your top players and you used to have a pretty good relationship, you start to hate him. I mean, it's starting to put more of a hate factor in on this than it is uh, penalizing USC because the kids aren't going to leave in most situations. When you're a junior or senior and you're, you're playing for a great team and you're about ready to get your, your academic degree, does it make sense to transfer and some of the courses don't even count where you're going or, or all of that? And it's stupid. But, you know, they, they want to make it where, you know, it's a harder penalty on the university. And uh, some of the kids that leave, they feel it's more freedom for them to to have a choice in case they don't have an opportunity to go to a bowl game and so on. So they're able to go. They never, they never had that in there before, but they've now added that in there uh, to uh, be a, a, another part of a penalty as far as for the school. Uh, I, I don't like that. Uh, I, I, the only thing I think they should have on something like that, and I've always felt this way. I think that if a, a coach uh, recruits a recruiting class, okay, and let's say that those kids sign a national letter of intent, and then that coach leaves immediately after the national letter of intent, like Dennis Erickson did a few years ago at Oregon State, left Oregon State and went to the San Francisco 49ers the day after the national letter of intent. Then I think those players should be released to decide whether they were going to Oregon State for what Oregon State was or were they going there because of Dennis Erickson. I think those players have a legitimate reason to say, Coach, I signed a letter of intent, or, and I was going there because of you, and now you left me. Now, I think those players are, are sort of in a more difficult situation than players who are at a university, their upper division in their classwork academically and so on, and because of a sanction, you know, you have to sort of, re, again, uh, recruit your players to stay. And, and I think the great players will stay at USC who is it? Did Lane Kiffin make the statement, why would you want to go anywhere else when you're at the best place yeah. now? Didn't he make that statement? Exactly, yeah. I mean, that's. I, I think the players we've talked to so far have all agreed with that. I mean, there was the news of Jordan Campbell transferring. He basically wasn't on the team anyway. He was suspended, and uh, Jarvis Jones wasn't cleared to play. So no one that's actually was going to be a contributing member and on the team currently 
has decided they were going to transfer. And all the players we've talked, I mean, it could still happen. There could still be guys transferring. But all the guys we've talked to have had this positive attitude, like we're here for a reason. We love this place. It's one less game, whatever. We still want to play for USC. So I think that's something that should be encouraging to USC fans because they have been, the players at least, at, at, as of now, have just been rallying around this and uh, using it as a, a you know, a point of contention that they just want to stick around and, and do whatever they can to win all the games they can at USC. I agree with I would agree with that 100%. And the verbal kid, the kids that are verbal, verbally committed, I don't see them changing their mind. Doesn't affect them in any way. They go on to SC, so we'll see what happens with the seven kids that are ver- verbally committed already. You can tell my dog is really upset about yeah, this well. topic. <laughs> CC is really upset about this topic because I, she's not getting her two cents in, but she's getting more than that now. She's up to a dollar and a half. <laughs> but uh, yeah, that's that's my dog. Everyone, if you listen to us regularly, you've wondered where she's been. She's here today. You she's can in hear her in the background. Yeah. Well, coach, she's upset about everything. Well, we'll let you uh, talk CC down from the ledge, and uh, we'll let you go. We'll, we're gonna. Take a quick break and talk to Brian Fisher, who's got a lot of information on this topic as well. But we really appreciate your insight, Coach. You've got a lot of experience. And seeing something like this go down, I know hasn't can't sit well for you, but we appreciate you sharing your thoughts with us. Well, thank you very much, Ryan. And uh, keep the questions coming. And uh, I love answering the questions. And uh, uh, the Trojans will get through this. They will. All right, Coach. Thanks again. Everyone else, back in 30 seconds, talking with Brian Fisher more on the USC sanctions. Meet us on the other side of the break for more of the Peristyle Podcast. Tickets, tickets, tickets. SC Tickets is your concert, sports, and theater ticket source. We have the tickets you need to any event worldwide. Football tickets are now available. Call SC Tickets now at 1-800-888-7287. 1-800-888-7287. That's 1-800-888-7287. Or visit us on the web at sctickets.com. SC Tickets, concert, sports, and theater. We now return to the Peristyle Podcast and your host, Ryan Abraham. Welcome back to the Peristyle Podcast. We are joined in this segment by Brian Fisher. He helps out on uscfootball.com, and he has been all over this, pouring through all the different pages and pages hundreds of pages of all the documentation coming out of the sanction so brian thanks for joining us and we uh look forward to getting some of your insight good to be on i've certainly uh yeah been on top of the case and uh if you have any questions about an ncaa bylaw you just let me know <laughs> brian's been over all of it and uh we've basically from the beginning i just wanted to let people know our users out there you know, we've been breaking stuff on this story from the very beginning and uh if you want to check out uscfootball.com if you haven't been a subscriber before we're going to give people a free subscription for the next couple of months. So if you go on there, drop me an email, ryan at uscfootball.com, or you can send it to podcast at uscfootball.com. Let me know, hey, I want the free subscription. So what we're going to do is usually we give you a seven-day free trial. We'll extend it all the way through the middle of August, halfway through fall camp. So you'll get all the summer coverage of uh, recruiting and then the beginning of fall camp. So you get, kind of get a feel for the, the content that we do provide on uscfootball.com. Guys like Brian, myself, or Gerard, or Dan Weber, all of us putting up lots of content on the Trojans, on recruiting, and the team stuff. So, again, just drop me an email, podcast at uscfootball.com, if you want to take advantage of the free subscription. You can read stuff like The War Room and all the all the tidbits and scoop we provide on the Peristyle. And Brian's all there all the time. He likes helping out. I, I try my best. Yeah. <laughs> well, Brian, I just wanted to... Uh, Thank you for all your hard work on this story. And I, I wanted to maybe get your initial reactions of when the, the sanctions first came down, what you thought. Well, you know, it was weird because uh, obviously the, as part of the media, we had the report about an hour before. It, and I think just sitting in the, in the writer's room as, as everybody was reading it, we we're all just going, you know, what? This? What? You know, it, it was kind of a, uh, after four years of not knowing, you know, just vague details and it was uh, it was nice to get the full picture, and at the same time, uh, you know, it was just interesting to see, you know, what the committee's rationale was. Obviously, the sanctions were a big part of uh, what they were trying to do, and just the the length and you know, really the depth of the sanctions was really shocking to me. I, I thought that based on what I <clears throat> based on what I was hearing 
from USC people, they thought that they were they were going to be fine. Yeah, they would definitely have to vacate victories in '05, and, and that you know possibly lose some scholarships and whatnot. Um, you know, I, I thought that the penalties were a little bit harsh, uh, especially considering the evidence that uh, the committee and the NCAA had. And, and certainly, I, I think you know it, it's tricky right now with the appeals process because we just don't know what is going to ha- end up happening, but. Uh, you know, this was uh, it, it, this could be a huge test case for the NCAA going forward, and uh, we'll have to see what it all means when it all shakes out. Because this is far from over; it, it, this is going to be continuing to go on for years and years and years. Yeah, I think for last week I said, "Well, you know what? It'll finally be over," and you corrected me like, "No, it's not." And then in the uh, last segment, Harvey Hyde's like, "You know what? It's over," and we're like, "You know, it's over, but it's not over. It just isn't over." And I like you said. I mean, it could be this years. is going to continue to play out. Uh, you know, starting with the appeals process, which could take uh, you know almost a year. You know, you're going to go back. You know, further than that, if there's any lawsuits or whatnot filed, which I would almost anticipate uh, for sure, there being some lawsuits filed by someone in this case. And, and uh, I, I think, like you know, like I said, this could be a test case for how the NCAA does infractions uh, cases going in the future because of what. You know how how their standing is with the universities and, and how they come to their findings and whatnot. That's all going to play out over the next couple of years. And you know th- this is a, a major case for USC and all those people involved in a major case for the NCAA. All right. Well, let's get to some of these questions. We have a lot of them, and people have sent in multiple ones per person. We'll try to get to every single one. I do apologize if we can't get to them. But uh, Terry and Day, he's a frequent contributor to the podcast. He wanted to know. First question, the bowl sanction doesn't ban us from being crowned Pac-10 champion if we earn it, does it? And if there's a championship game to crown the league champion after expansion, would that count as a bowl game? What what, what goes on in that situation, Brian? Uh, a conference championship game would not count as a bowl game. That would be part of your regular season. It would be the last game that USC could play, but... You know, talking with players at the uh, the throwing session yesterday, you know, they were kind of completely unaware that hey, there's actually a chance that USC can go to a bowl game this year. Uh, you know, with the appeals process, if if USC chooses to, and I would almost, I, I you know, I, I would bet a huge amount of money that they're going to challenge that bowl ban and the scholarship reductions uh, for the penalties in the appeals process. You know, there's a chance that USC f- signs 25 plus guys this class and on top of that goes to a bowl game this year you know this is uh it, it's not it hasn't shaken out we we, we don't know but uh, i get the feeling that uh you know this this could be something to watch certainly and i and i was talking to coach harvey hyde after we uh we finished the segment and it you know the, if the appeals process takes that long it's basically the sanctions are could be delayed and you, you don't really want to push them out if you don't have to you'd like to get them over with but if USC set up to where they're 6-0, and 7-0, and and they're rolling through the schedule, it almost would be beneficial for USC to put those sanctions off and say, hey, we want to go to a bowl game this year because we have a chance of winning the national championship. I mean, is that a scenario like that? Do you think that could play out? Oh, I, I know certainly Dan Weber, who, who we talked to and, and works for us at uscfootball.com, uh, he certainly thinks that scenario can play out. And, and I think, uh, yeah, there's a ch- there's an absolute chance that they could, you know, stroll into November undefeated and, you know, at the top of the polls. And uh, what, what will, you know, when USC publicizes that they've submitted their appeal, maybe we're going to get some leaks as to what they're actually challenging. You know, I thought the US, USC was very forthcoming in releasing their their response to the allegations. Uh, you know, shortly after the uh, COI report came out, so the, the possibility of playing in a bowl, I think we'll know that in the next you know month. And uh, you know, if you're a USC fan, yeah, you are. You might be delaying the inevitable, but like I said. This case is far from over. There could be lawsuits involved, injunctions. You never know how how it's going to end up playing out. And you know, at the end of the day, you might, you know, the NCAA might be, you know, not even in existence by the time these <laughs> sanctions might actually have to take effect. You know. Wow. All right. That's uh. That would be an interesting way for this to whole thing, this whole thing to play out. Uh, one last thing from Terry. And do you think it would be better in USC's case not to appeal? And from what you just said, it doesn't sound like that would be. Uh, the the scenario there, but he you know he's just saying that you know you could delay the inevitable. It could just come down and put it off. Do you think it's better not to appeal? 
Well, you know, when you talk about the appeal, you can only you can appeal specific sections of the the sanctions and, and and the ruling. So, you know, they might not challenge the vacating of wins. They might not challenge uh, Reggie Bush disassociating from the university, which they self imposed. You know, the, I think the two things you got to they're really going to go after uh, is the bowl ban and the scholarship production because that hurts the program the most. And so, I think um, you could not appeal. I, I know. Uh, a lot of times when universities get hit with just probation or whatnot, they don't even you know bother with an appeal because you know it's just probation. And, and in this case, though, this really hits hard at the program. And you could see you know uh, how this plays out, um, really kind of affecting other appeals cases. And, and I know just reading, it's it's a very difficult process to uh, to win an appeal. But I think USC could have a pretty good case uh, as these sanctions are you know too harsh based on previous cases and what the evidence was in this case. All right. Well, uh, thank you for those, Tarian. Uh, this is from Clay. And, Clay, i got to give you some props. These are very – sometimes we'll get questions. Brian, earlier in the segment, someone sent in – Pat sent in four questions. Three of them were actually statements. <laughs> there was one – they were all numbered. And I was like, I'm not sure what kind of question this is. And sometimes people will – send in three paragraph questions. So it's kind of, it's, you know, it's hard to read that when you're trying to go through the podcast, trying to make it, you know, quick, and exciting, whatever. Clay, bam, bam, bam. He's got like four questions in succession. They're all like within five or six words. So that's pretty cool. First one, how bad is this? Honestly, what do you think? <laughs> <laughs> well, you know, if, if you're looking at USC's point, you know, this is a, a program killer. And, uh, you know, I, I, t- I was reading Pete Carroll's comments from yesterday when he talked with the Seattle media. And he says, you know, the NCAA wanted to, you know, ruin the program. And uh, it's certainly interesting because he said, you know, they're trying to dismantle their programs with the scholarship cuts. That so many the bull ban, it's just going to kill their recruiting. And, um, you know, this is worse than, than I think Miami or Alabama because, you know, obviously it's, it's a lot less scholarships than Alabama. Uh, they had 21. This is, in this case, that's seven more uh, for USC. And then, you know, Miami only had a one-year bull ban, even though they had 30 scholarship reductions. And um, this, this is a big case. And there's, without a doubt, this is uh, – just the length of the investigation itself makes it the biggest case in the NCAA's history. And I, I think uh, Jeremy Crabtree put a piece out fairly recently after these uh, sanctions came out talking about the, specifically recruiting. And Jeremy Crabtree is a national recruiting analyst for Rivals.com. And he said, if there's a program in the country that's capable of, of weathering this kind of storm, it's USC. And a couple of the factors, I think, uh, that come into play here. USC isn't a program that signs 25 or 30 guys in every class. They typically are signing 18 to 20. So cutting it down to 15 isn't like losing 10. You know, it's it's more like losing five or somewhere in that range. I mean, it still has long-term effects. but And the fact that USC does get five-star talent, that they're known for being able to put guys in the NFL, I think that the fact that not being able to go to a bowl game, at least from the guys we've talked to so far, didn't seem to be that big of a factor. They know that, hey, that's one game or two games. And some of the people we've talked to said, hey, I think I could play as a true freshman because they're going to have less people on scholarship. So it seems like, I mean, it, it's definitely going to be a daunting task. But if there's a program equipped to deal with something like this, just the way USC's recruited in the past, and looks like with Lane Kiffin and Ed Orgeron are continuing to recruit, they already got a verbal commit over the weekend, Marcus Martin from Crenshaw High School, I mean, it doesn't seem to be slowing them down any. It seems like USC is the kind of program that could get through this without making these sanctions, which are intended to be a program killer, an actual program killer. Yeah, I, I would agree with that completely. You know, several good points in there. And the only thing that I would add maybe on, on the negative side is is unlike an Alabama or, you know, other state schools like Washington or those schools, you know, can get in-state kids as walk-ons and, and maybe offer them academic scholarships or whatnot. So where they're really not paying a whole lot for school as it is. You know, USC, when tuition is $40,000, it's a lot harder to get those walk-ons on the team. And, and that's going to hurt your depth. Yeah, they're going to get the 15 best guys in the country. Uh, you know, I have no doubt in my mind that they're going to get those guys. But, you know, what if one of them gets hurt? You know, maybe you miss on a guy and he just doesn't perform like you think he is. Um, that's when you need those, in this case, walk-ons to kind of fill the role and, and come in and 
uh, you know, play hard and, and participate. And so with, you know, USC costing so much as a private school, I think that that will be where it hurts them. It, it won't be year one or year two, I think, of, of the scholarship reductions. It's going to be that third, fourth, fifth year when the depth is really a concern for USC that, that it will actually hurt them. I mean, those are great points. That it, the margin of error has definitely been reduced significantly. And it's, it, you can't miss on a kid. You can't get a kid that has questionable academics or off-the-field issues because if you lose that kid, he has to transfer out or something, he's basically, you can't replace him. And so the margin of error is a lot less. And I think you're going to see, I mean, how USC handles the walk-ons. And this really sucks for the walk-ons because these are the kind of guys that when USC only gave out 19 scholarships, then someone like a Joe Houston would perform well, get a starting spot as the USC starting kicker as a walk-on, he would receive a scholarship. It doesn't look like he's going to be able to receive a scholarship now for something like that So because of these limitations. So that it does hurt the walk-ons. If USC is able to you know, get a few key walk-ons here or there, they just got a, a kid, uh, Tony, I think Burnett, I think is his last name, from the track mm-hmm. team who uh, played high school football, like a 4-5 or five guy, looked pretty good playing cornerback yesterday. He's been out there for a, a about a week or so if you can get guys like that who are are good football players from high school that you know maybe we're doing something else and they're going to try to get back in the football i think that'll help but like you said it's an expensive school it's not going to be a place where you can get you know three fullbacks and you know all these offensive linemen like a nebraska or someone could do it's going to be tougher for usc to do that and and i don't you know i, I think when you look at usc they they don't have a, a huge hugely strong walk-on tradition i mean yeah the a few play every now and then, uh, you know, maybe a receiver or uh, a backup linebacker. And it's just going to be tough for them to sell a lot of kids on, um, hey, you're going to come and get a great education at USC, yes, but, you know, you're also going to have to pay $40,000 a year if you if you want to play football. So that that might be a tough sell. But, um, yeah, like, you know, like you said, you can't – there is no margin for error when you're recruiting these kids. And at the same time, you're going to be able to say, hey, Mr. Five-Star Running Back, you know, you're not going to have to compete with three other running backs. It's going to be you. You're going to be our guy, and we want you to, to carry the load for the next couple of years. And so that could be a selling point as well. And, and, you know, again, to keep in mind, if USC appeals to scholarships, that's going to stay that uh, sanction. So USC could definitely sign a full class this year. They could maybe even go up to like 26, 27, depending on how many people will enroll early. Uh, maybe you gray shirt a few. Uh, they, they could do some numbers games while they're waiting out the sanctions and, and maybe lessen the impact uh, going forward. All right. And then uh, Clay also wanted to know, any whispers about guys transferring who? And uh, we mentioned in the last segment, talk about Jordan Campbell a little bit, who's, who's transferring out, who essentially wasn't on the team. He was susp- you know, suspended. It wasn't really a part of the team right now. And uh, Jarvis Jones, who wasn't really cleared to play. So those are the only two names that have come out. And those aren't really guys that would have been contributing. I mean, anyone else? I mean, everyone I've talked to, Brian, has seemed to be all positive. They seem to be, you know, at least rolling with the punches right now. Yeah, I haven't talked to any. You know, I was talking with Michael Morgan yesterday, a couple of other guys, and they're just like, you know, listen, you know, we're SC. We're still a great program. We're going to continue to compete uh, at a high level. And, 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 you know, why would you transfer? And, you know, I, I definitely see their point, you know, it's pretty nice going outside and it's 75 and sunny and you're 10 minutes from the beach, you know, you, you can, and you, and you play at a high level in front of 90,000 fans. Uh, you know, it's tough to replicate that anywhere else in the country. And, you know, like, uh, I think it was Matt Barkley saying, you know, if, if we end up playing one less game, you know, no big deal. You still play 12 games for USC and that counts for something. Uh, and, and, uh, you know, getting a recent commit with Marcus Martin, uh, I think, was very big for the program. Uh, just saying that, hey, we're bigger. You know, the the power of USC, as Lane Kiffin would say, is bigger than anything the NCAA can do. And I think that's uh, going to be proven true uh, the next couple of years. If if USC can compete at a high level and continue to go after the Pac-10 championships, uh, you know, what's to stop them from you know just reeling off another run like we saw in the middle part of the 2000s. All right. And then last thing from Clay, I bought a mug after we beat Oklahoma that says national champions. Is the NCAA going to come and take it away from me? 
<laughs> yeah, yeah. I was uh, I was in Heritage Hall yesterday, and I put out a, I, I took a picture of the uh, BCS National Championship trophy, you know, right in the middle of, of Heritage Hall, and I was like, "Yep, it's still here." I put that up, and I got <laughs> quite a few good responses. But uh, you know, I, I think that might be one of the contingent, uh, one of the points that USC might do in their appeal is saying, "Look, Reggie Bush wasn't ineligible until '05, you know, until after the Orange Bowl game." And uh, they could definitely go after that to where, uh, you know, they end up getting those victories back. The one from UCLA at the end of the 04 season and the one at the Orange Bowl. So they could end up getting those victories back um, when the appeals committee takes a look at it. So that's something to keep in mind. And then, of course, you know, everybody saw that dismantling of Oklahoma. Everybody saw uh, Matt Leinert throwing for, I think it was five touchdowns and, and, you know, guys going crazy and, uh, you know, Ed Orgeron on the sideline jumping up and down, you know, that no one's going to forget that. And, uh, you know, I, I think uh, it's a little gray area right now as to what's going to happen with everything, but uh, you can definitely keep the mug. I can guarantee you that the Oklahoma fans that were pouring out of the Orange Bowl in the third quarter as they're getting thumped <laughs> are not going to feel any better if they say, oh, you won that game now. I don't, I don't think they're going to feel any better. All right. Uh, thanks for those, Clay. Harry, uh, has some questions here. This sounds very intelligent, Harry. So I actually know Harry. He's a MIT guy. So that's where these questions are coming from. So watch out. Okay. The circumstantial evidence certainly would not be enough for a criminal beyond a reasonable doubt and probably would not be enough for a civil verdict by preponderance of evidence. A lot of what I saw referenced in the report was hearsay. Someone said, Lloyd Lake said, which is totally inadmissible. Okay, Harry, then I, I talked you up, and that's not really a question, but I just to, what, what do you think of that statement, Brian? Uh, you know, I, I just don't know about the, the legal ground. I, I don't think there was enough evidence. I think the NCAA definitely took a few liberties here and there in making their connection, and, and I think I, w- I was reading the, uh, the bylaw blog, which kind of take a look at NCAA cases and infraction and enforcement, and, uh, you know, he said it's pretty clear now um, – for you to have when you have an accusation leveled at a school that there only needs to be a you know evident enough evidence to at least point to the accusation being true and for the school to disprove that you have to have so much concrete evidence uh, disproving the allegation and you know that's a really tough burden of proof uh, that the NCAA has and I think they can definitely get into a, you know some legal hot water going down the road you know the biggest question is what UFC chooses to do with a you know if they do want to do a lawsuit or anything like that how they want to you know focus it and phrase it uh, I'm not sure but I I think they could make a case that you know the the negative image of USC has been prepondered by the NCAA and you know as a result of maybe sketchy allegations and and, and sketchy evidence and you know they they could end up you know this could be a landmark case and you know, I'm not sure you know what laws they might actually use and whatnot, but uh, it'll certainly be interesting, and I'm sure a, a lot of lawyers will get a, a few nice cars out of it. Yeah, <laughs> I'm sure that's the case. Uh, well, Harry had a couple more statements here. I'm sorry, I think I just copied down. I thought these were his questions. I don't, I don't have the beginning part of what he said. Uh, but basically, he was. Just, this was kind of his concern of what was going on here. He said it seems the conclusion of the uh, LOIC was deduced by not much more than the fact that there are several violations and not by any real evidence that there was lack of control. I would think you would need some evidence of control lacking, not just isolated incidences. And he said the penalty by historical standards appears to be out of line. The situation sucks, but I don't see USC really winning by an appeal. Well, I think the one thing to keep in mind here is that USC has agreed that Reggie Bush was ineligible for the 05 season. They they agreed that he was taking benefits from Lloyd Lake and Michael Michaels. No one disputes that part. Uh, I think there's a little dispute on how much he was taking and what he was taking. But, you know, for the most part, I think uh, everyone agrees that Reggie was kind of, for lack of a better term, dirty and taking money. Uh, I think USC's focus, and we've certainly seen it from uh, what Mike Garrett has comments have come out and Steve Sample, the president, has come out um, and their spokesman, Todd Dickey. They think that the penalties are way, way too harsh for the you know, lack of evidence and the fact that uh, USC thinks their, their case is that, hey, we were, we were monitoring our athletes and whatnot as best as we can. But 
you know, this was, as Lloyd Lake said, it you know, it was like a drug deal because they were trying to conceal it from people. You know, what is the university trying, you know, as good as our enforcement staff is or as good as our coaches are being on top of this, you know, how are we supposed to find out about something when someone is trying to keep it from us, you know, out of our hands and out of our sight? And that, that to me, is the, the kind of the key sticking point for USC is, like, you know, what else were we supposed to do? Uh, uh, you, know, chat, you know, follow Reggie and tap his phone call just like Lloyd Lake did? No, they, they can't do that. And um, I, I think there was a little bit of institutional control because there were so many questions. And, you know, technicality-wise, yeah, the, you know, lack of institutional control probably would be better characterized as failure to monitor, which USC was also charged to do. But, um, you know, I, I think there was there was a little bit of, you know, fire where there was smoke in this case. But for the most part, um, I, I, I think USC and the institutional control, it might have been a little overblown by the committee. All right. Well, Harry, thanks for those uh, statements and talking points there. Um, all right. Well, I, I think we talked enough about the sanctions. Brad actually had a question of what's going on with the team right now, which I think is important because, you don't really know, you know, this is a major body blow to the USC football program. And you weren't really sure what was going to happen. It happened on Thursday. USC's basically been having players-only workouts twice a week. And there was one scheduled for last Thursday after this was going on. So, obviously, there was a lot of media down on campus. Um, you know, if, if, you, if the players decided to just cancel that throw-around session, it's essentially, if you don't know, they, they can practice by themselves, the players. They're not allowed to have coaches out there coaching. So... Matt Barkley and the you know Mitch Mustaine and those guys organize these practices twice a week usually, where they throw the football around. They'll do throwing lines. They might do some one on ones. They'll do some seven on sevens, and it's just a guy a way for the guys to stay sharp. When the new guys come in, it kind of gives them a feel for how things work. And we saw Robert Woods out there now, the you know from the incoming class of 2010, catching some balls. He's looking pretty good out there, but. To, to their credit, the players' credit, they went out on Thursday after these sanctions came out, and they just did their thing. They started throwing again. They were back at it. I mean, it was business as usual for them. So I think these workouts are important for USC fans because I know there's a lot of USC fans that are kind of down in the dumps. But, you know, you can take a page out of these players' books. They're sticking with it. You know, they're going at it and, and just, you know, doing their work. They're doing everything just the way it was normally sanctions or no sanctions. And I, I don't know. For me, Brian, it seems to be an encouraging sign. Absolutely, and I think these past two workouts has, have been their best, and that I've, I've really seen in, in in weeks or years or, or months. It's just they were so sharp, especially on Tuesday. You know, Matt Barkley was throwing the ball well. The guys were running crisp routes. Even the de- you know the defense was mixing it up. You know, and, and the offense would try to go back at them. And you know, this hasn't affected the team. Uh, as much as it affected the basketball team, I think you know the basketball team talked a you know a good game saying that the the sanctions didn't affect their play. Well, you know what it ended up did you know in doing so on on the court uh, because they kind of stumbled to a, a a bad finish when they were you know in contention for the Pac-10 title all year. Um, you know and, and you know to the to those guys' credit, you know you're only talking about 15 guys and you know one guy saying ah, all right you know we're down by 15. You know, what do I have to play for in this game? A little different story from a guy uh, on a football team, one of 22. But, you know, the guy's resolve and the way they've gone about it is certainly commendable because they are dealing with a very tough situation. And, you know, you, you look at guys like uh, uh, that have not been to a Rose Bowl on this team, like some of the freshmen have. Um, you know, it's difficult. You know, you, you know you're not – it's going to be a while before you could play in a BCS Bowl and – you know, you came to USC to win Pac-10 titles and national championships. And uh, for, you know, to all the guys' credit, they're saying, you know what? I like my team better than I like playing for a national championship. I, I like, you know, bettering myself as a player uh, more than playing in a bowl game. And I think that's really commendable for them. And, you know, like I said, they've they've looked their, their sharpest the last, you know, two uh, throwing sessions. And, I you know, I got to give credit to uh, – the leaders on the team for really kind of rallying everybody. And uh, I think that actually comes from the top down with Lane Kiffin. I think he says, you know what? Yeah. The, you know, the sanctions are not, not good. You know, yes, we're going to appeal eventually, but you know what? We got to keep chugging on uh, like we always have and just ignore it. And, and I think, um, you know, that's certainly a, a good stance to have and it, it's paying off from what we've been seeing on the field. 
And I think he showed that by getting Marcus Martin to verbally commit over the weekend. He's showing, hey, we're going to keep pushing through this. We're going to still sign recruits. It's not going to change our, you know, what we do. And I think the players kind of noticed that, like, hey, they're not, they're not missing a beat. We can't either. Uh, well, Brad had a question about the workouts, which was this whole kind of big introduction we just talked about. First, he wanted to know what your opinion of Robert Woods was at the workout. Yeah, I was I was really impressed. Uh, you know, having having not seen him in person and just seeing his highlight tape, you know, it's like you know, okay, this this guy is coming in pretty good. And you know, our, our expectation has been raised thanks to you know the play of Kyle. Uh, Prater and Dylan Baxter so you know it was nice to see him out there it was the uh, second time that he was out there and and running around and this time he's starting to really kind of get more into the offense the guys were helping him out as far as where to run his routes and what to run his routes and you know he he had really soft hands he had uh, you know speed to burn and uh, he he really made he made a one particular you know good catch kind of turning around and, and grabbing it in the air and, and he's got such big hands and uh, I think he could be a real asset and you know if you're looking for someone to replace Ronald Johnson uh, after he leaves because he's a senior you know I, I think Robert Woods can definitely fit that role and uh, you know I, I couldn't imagine what uh, you know the safeties are thinking for some team when they see you know Devon Flournoy, Ronald Johnson and Robert Woods out there at the same time you know Matt Barkley just has to be a uh, smiling because he he definitely has another weapon in Robert Woods and and I'm pretty impressed we'll see how quickly he can get up to speed with the playbook that'll be his big thing this summer if if he can learn the playbook down pat before going into fall camp I think he can contribute a lot and uh you know and and certainly on special teams we can see what he do returning kicks or returning punts yeah and watching Kyle Prater out there you almost forget that he's still an incoming freshman just because you got to see him in the spring and Woods had similar hands. I mean, they're different kind of players. Woods showed the really, you know, the nice ability to to catch the ball with his hands out in front of his body, and just has really soft hands as well. So having two of those incoming freshmen with the, the talent that they have and the hands they have is pretty impressive. And the one thing I noticed with Woods a little bit, sometimes he had a hard time getting off the line with his initial moves and stuff. So that, but you know, it seemed like he got mogged, you know, bogged down a little bit. But once he got free. Everything everything seemed to work out okay for him. But like you said, Brian, he just was a really impressive kid. And it's going to be fun to start watching all the other incoming freshmen that will be arriving here in the next couple of weeks. So uh, Woods is the first you know, true freshman coming on that's been kind of contributing more regularly. We had I think that was Grimble was out there for a little bit. But I uh, know it was uh, – was it Christian Thomas? Who was out it there? It was Telfer. 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 I'm sorry. Telfer yeah. and Anthony Brown were, were at the last uh, – the workouts last week. And, uh, you know, I, I think you'll definitely see more. I know a lot of guys are going to come. Uh, I believe it is next week to start enrolling. Uh, you know, a, a couple of people, I, I think, in California are still taking finals and, and aren't even out of school. So, um, you know, over the next few weeks we'll see how these guys – get into the habit and kind of get back into football mode after a lot of them like Robert Woods were running track for most of the year, uh, you know, see them get back into football shape and then go through the morning workouts and, and how they change. And, you know, it'll be certainly interesting. And if you, if you ever wondered why, you know, USC was able to, you know, keep two quarterback commitments despite things, you know, facing all these sanctions, uh, you know, just come out to Howard Jones and come see <laughs> Kyle Prater and Robert Woods and those guys. And, and you'll understand why. Yeah, that's a very good point. One last thing. Um, this is also from Brad. He wanted to know, he noticed that Barkley, in the workouts, he's been watching the videos on USAFootball.com, he starts pumping and, and checking the safety off, which is something I don't remember him doing much of last year. I was just wondering if he had started to incorporate that in his repertoire. I know it was Sanchez's bread and butter, and to me it's a good sign of a young quarterback. That's from Brad. What do you think, Brian? Yeah, I think talking with uh, people around the program, they, they're very confident in Barkley understanding the offense and you know recognizing coverages and, and you know knowing when to check off, knowing when to throw it down, uh, you know throw it downfield and take a shot versus you know knowing all right the the safeties are deep, I'll just check down underneath and and we'll go from there and we'll dink and dunk our way down the field, and you know that's uh, certainly a good sign for a young quarterback. And to me, I, th- I think talking with people the only thing that he might uh still be a little behind uh, i mean obviously he's still you know still basically a freshman and, and um uh you know going on a sophomore the only thing that i think uh people are are you know waiting for him to kind of fully de- you know learn is, is the blocking schemes and whatnot and 
uh, you know, that'll come with time. And that's probably the most difficult thing is knowing when to when to slide a protection or knowing, you know, when this linebacker is most likely to blitz or if they're, you know, they're they're faking it or whatnot. That just comes with time and and film and preparation and whatnot. And um, you know, that that to me is really the the last key to his game is is when he knows you know completely how to you know blocking schemes, checkdowns, hot routes, all of it. You know he he's almost there, and and you know with his arm and, and obviously with his smarts, it, it it'll be a special thing to watch. And I'm sure USC fans can't wait for the next couple of years. For sure. All right, Brian. Well, I just wanted to thank you for your uh, contributions on this story and everything on USCFootball.com and coming on the podcast. We're looking forward to more good stuff from you, and uh, thanks for joining us. Uh, good to be on, and yeah, definitely uh, keep an eye out for uh, what's coming next because we got a bunch of stuff coming up. A lot of stuff coming up, and again, if you want a free subscription, it'll take you all the way to August 15th, halfway through fall camp. Drop me an email, podcast at uscfootball.com. Just say, hey, I want a free subscription. I'll let you know what you got to do. Just go on and sign up. You get the seven-day free trial, and then you email me, and I will extend it all the way out to August 15th so you can get everything that's been going on for summer recruiting, and you can get all the stuff for the beginning of fall camp and see if you like the, the site. Hopefully you do, and check out the Peristyle for sure. There's lots of, I mean, USC fans, there's hundreds of posts a day going up on there from USC fans from all over the world and the war rooms every Friday, always good stuff in there. So great stuff all around. Hopefully you guys enjoyed it. Enjoyed the podcast. We'll talk to you all next week. You've been listening to the Peristyle Podcast presented by uscfootball.com. Be sure to tune in next week for the latest news on Trojan football and recruiting. And don't forget, you can automatically download the podcast directly to your iPod or MP3 player for free. Just click the iTunes link on peristylepodcast.com or search for Peristyle Podcast at the iTunes Music Store. 